What's up, fam? Welcome back to another episode of That's the Angle. And on this episode, I sit down with DC-based artist Jamila Okubo, and she has just been killing the game recently. Uh, I became aware of her from my friend Reggie Black, who I interviewed a few uh, few podcasts ago, maybe like five or six, I don't know. But he was a super cool guy, so check that one out. He recommended her, so I kind of wrote her down, kept her on my radar, and then I went to her gallery opening she debuted at this gallery that opened she was like their first exhibition and it was crazy she sold some stuff and i learned more about her and so that day i said jamila you got to come on the show she said heck yeah i'd love to reggie was on so here we are with a jamila okubo interview it's super fun um it's only an hour one of my shorter ones but it's full of a lot of info about how she even got her start and how she even started to rise in the art world but anyways guys let's talk more listening, um, please leave a comment or rating on the podcast. That'd be amazing. Or follow That's the Angle on Instagram, Instagram.com. Wait, what am I saying that? It's at That's the Angle. Duh. But anyways, um, hope you enjoy. Peace. I honestly thought that Mochella would run into issues with Coachella. Really? I don't know. Maybe not, but. What was Mochella? For real? I mean, I someone's know. always borrowing from someone. <clears throat> yeah. What was Mochella, though? I saw it, but I have no idea what it is. It was like a live, basically, go-go show. Uh, would you mind cutting that music? <clears throat> Toad's preach. The live go-go show? Yeah. Yeah, I saw, like, photos out, but I was like, who's Mo? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> Mo? Mo is a universal <laughs> person, I feel. Yeah. Is this DC slang yeah. that, that, that I just don't get? Educate me yet because I just don't know. Yeah, from what I know, it's a DC slang. People call each other Mo. Mm-hmm. Like it's saying bro. It's like Mo. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it's like hey, Mo. You, you got to keep me hip here. Hey, Mo. <laughs> oh, hey, Mo. I think uh, Malik was talking about that. Malik from Eat. Something like that. He was getting Malik. me hip to that, yeah. Yeah. People just call each other Mo and... Other, yep. I forget some of the other words he was, he was Mo, just educating me Bob, on. Bob, cuz, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so were you raised in D.C.? Yeah. Oh, nice. I was born in North Carolina, but then my mom, I mean, she was already living here with my grandmother, and then they moved back, like, right after I was born. Mm. So I was pretty much raised here. Ah, so like school systems, grew up around school, here. Yeah, I went to Oyster Elementary School. So that was like a bilingual elementary school. Oyster and, Elementary? Yeah. That's dope. And Woodley Park. And then... What, what was the other language you learned? Spanish. Ah, you, you can so, actually speak Spanish? Or? Yeah, I was... I, I'm not as fluent anymore. I can understand it. I can read it. I can write it. But my grammar is not that great. Welcome to my life. I'm half Hispanic and I still don't really? know. Yeah, I'm so bad. Wait, hold up, hold up. What's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Ingle. And today I am joined with Jamila Okubo. Hi. Did I say that right? You did. Yes. I was really worried about it's that. It's just three simple syllables. And if people look at the letters, it's not that hard. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> hey, I mean, people got some crazy pronunci- pronunciations these days, so I just I always know. double check. I've heard people have said Okubu. Akabu, Okabu, and I'm like, it's literally Oku. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Well, Sorry, my voice is, I'm recovering from a cold, by the way. Uh, so. She has that New York sickness. 
<laughs> yeah, I know it's it's uh, it's super cool to have you because um, you're just like a, you're a local artist who's just been really killing the game recently. Thank you. Like going to your 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 opening reception the other day, that was wicked. Thank you. How was that? How was that whole process like putting it together? How are you feeling? Honestly, I was just overwhelmed with joy. Like to see so many people come out to the show mm-hmm. and like a lot of unfamiliar faces that I've never seen or like people that have been following me on social media for like a really long time. Yeah. And really have just been supportive. So to like finally for them to be able to experience my work in a gallery space was like exciting for me because like it was my first solo exhibition in a gallery. Oh, so. whoa. Well, congrats <clears throat> on that too. Thank you. So it's a big deal, especially for like it being um, a gallery owned by someone who's from the area, black owned galleries mm-hmm. and like to be their first like exhibiting artists is a big deal. So yeah, it, it definitely seemed like a big deal. Like it was cool th- to talk about it with Reggie, then to see it and to meet you that opening day. And now it's like come full circle. Well, now yeah. I have you here. So it's just like kind of a cool, surreal moment for yeah. me. Cool. Yeah. But that, no, you're right. It, it was cool to see that. Um, the Marie, <clears throat> I can't even say the gallery name properly. It's the Mahi, Mahari Sequar. Mahari Sequar. I'm going to mess that <laughs> one up, but like first gallery exhibition in It's You. That's like a big deal. Yeah. That's pretty epic. I'm still kind of just like taking it all in. Yeah. Just taking it all in. How did you feel when they asked you to do <clears throat> that? Were you just sort of like, holy shit? I was excited, like, because it's funny because. One of my, like, top goals for this year was to have a solo exhibition. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally wrote it down during, like, one of the first full moons or new moons before the year had started. So, like, for this to, like, come to fruition and for it to be in D.C. was, like, eye-opening. I was like, oh, okay, so manifestation is real. Right. And this is huge. Yeah, manifestation has just been a hot topic these days, huh? It has been, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure (laughs) if it's... I think because astrology has been a huge trending topic. That's true. um, And all the full moons and new moons and... Yeah, all of that jazz. I only pretend to know that stuff from when the girl's really into it. (laughs) Or, like, I, I like, try to be into it when they're talking about, like, oh, yeah, tell me about this half moon. I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And people like reading people's signs and whatnot. I mean, but it seems pretty real to me so far. I haven't done a lot of research, but I have done some. Still trying to understand the connection between like my sign and all the planets and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. I haven't gotten that deep yet. Yeah, I think some people are just way more in tune than that, just naturally. Yeah. They have like a universal connection. Like I'm not the most spiritual person, but I do believe in that idea, and I definitely think there's people who are very in touch with that, because I've got yeah. some friends who they just say some stuff, I'm just like, word. <laughs> right. I'm just like, kind of all oh, you can uh, say is like, uh, uh, That's cool. Yeah. That, that's really cool. But but the, but the manifesting part is, I think it has to be a thing, whether it's like a psychological trick or not, where you, by, by like putting your goals out there and saying them out loud, it, they become reality or they can become real like these. Yeah. I mean, think about it. I mean... I'm just thinking back to experiences where it's like, because I'm pretty, I can be very pessimistic and have 
anxiety over things and overthinking things. And mm. when I keep thinking those same thoughts over again, usually it happens. Right. Because it's like you're like thinking about it so much that it just becomes your reality. Mm. So if you reverse that, then I guess it works too. Yeah, but it's optimism. And optimism <clears throat> is always way harder for some people. It really is. You know, but you have to be optimistic as an artist. Yeah. I mean, to even put yourself in that position where they're asking you to be their premier artist, like that had to be pretty crazy yeah, too. Yeah, the pressure was on. I was like, oh my God, I have to make some really good work and have some really good work in the show because I was just really stressing about the fact that like a lot of people haven't seen any of my new work since like probably 2013, 14. Whoa. I mean like at least the work that they know me for mm -hmm. on the internet because like I used to share a lot of my artwork on Tumblr when it had just started. Oh. <clears throat> so it's like I used to have a blog spot <laughs> in high school. Yo, I don't know if people remember yeah. that blog spot yes. in WordPress. Yes. And then when I was a junior in high school, I had just found out about Tumblr and I just started I just transitioned to Tumblr. Were you popping on Tumblr? It took a few years. Um, this one series that I posted um, called We the People of the African Diaspora, it was like a fashion illustration series that I did of silhouettes and like bright colored backgrounds and patterns that I had designed in school. Um, that like kind of went viral on Tumblr because people just kept reblogging mm. over and over again. So that's, I feel like, how it gained momentum on the internet. And I also use hashtags heavily. So it's like when you look up my name, you'll see all those older paintings. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, Tumblr was definitely an era. <laughs> it there was, was an th era. There was a window of like four or five years where if you got popping on Tumblr. You were Tumblr famous. Yeah. I, like, it's funny because when I went to, started going to Parsons and I started to meet like other students at school, they were like, oh yeah, she's like Tumblr famous. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking no, about. No shit. So when you went to Parsons, in, in, it's in New York, right? Yeah. People knew you are. Some people knew Tumblr. my work because we had been following each other, I guess, for a while, especially a lot of young, like black creatives. Mm -hmm. Like it was a way for us to collect, I mean, connect globally, which was really exciting because I wanted to see what other young black creatives were doing outside of DC. Like, mm -hmm. I would see like artists in California, like Stella Blue, making these really beautiful watercolor paintings or like Joshua Kissy and Travis Gums in New York. And they were um, doing uh, street etiquette. And that was like really inspiring to see because it was like I got to see fashion and art and all kinds of things on Tumblr. And that kind of inspired my work. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting <clears throat> to think about how much of like a world view you could you could have gotten from Tumblr. I remember I see yeah. a lot of street art on there. Yeah. I was really big into like graffiti and street art and Tumblr, just doo -doo -doo, hashtag street art and just everything current. Right. That's popping everywhere. And it was just everywhere, nuts. like in freaking Dublin and Amsterdam and Hong Kong, just. All kinds of cool things. So you went to Parsons for fashion, though, didn't you? Yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah, because your, your your gallery <laughs> exhibition. While I I can sort of see I can see where your fashion sense comes in, just because yeah. your textiles and the paintings are so intricate. Thank you. Um, but when I was like doing some like research on you, I was like, oh, so she went to fashion school. Yeah, I initially went to Parsons for fine arts. And then after freshman year, <laughs> which they do this on purpose, they're like, oh, you got to take foundation year and take all these like basic classes all over oh. again before you declare for sure your major. And then I happened to like take this 
pattern and symmetry class and like um, some like fashion 3D object class where I had to like, I learned about designing patterns digitally and like making garments from recycled materials. And I made this dress from like magazine paper and I was like, oh, I like to sew and make patterns. Maybe I'll try to do fashion and then figure out how I can mm-hmm. like integrate that with um, fine arts. And then I found this program called Integrated Design, which is basically that. You had to choose a focus and then my focus was, I chose fashion. It was like either fashion, sustainability design, urban design, or some other kind Oh, wow. Of. So you end up did changing it a little <clears throat> bit after those, after those BS classes yeah. that I always think are like the worst part. Yeah, of- I was like, I already took drawing and painting. Like, yeah, I'm right. already there, whatever. But it like opened my eyes to like a whole new world that I didn't think I was interested in. And then I started taking like so many fashion construction classes. Like at one point I did want to be a designer. Oh. But then I was like, actually, this is too stressful and I enjoy painting. <laughs> so really? I don't want to do this. Imagine yeah. being a designer in New York must be like, oh my God. Yeah, no. And I did a few internships. Like I interned for Africa Fashion Week New York. I interned for Brother Veli's. Um, where else did I intern? I interned for this brand called Suno New York. Oh wow! So you kind of you kind of did it like in the fashion yeah, sense, like you you seen the gamut, I it, guess. But at the same time, like in my classes, I was still trying to paint and like figure out how to make my work fine arts based. Uh, so how did um, you go from Hassan Parsons fashion student to being in the gallery that I saw you in, which which I would never have guessed you went to school for? Honestly, I feel like okay, so like. I had taken this class where we had to like do a like core project. So it's like, again, I was taking a bunch of fashion electives, Mm -hmm. but then my core classes were basically projects where I had to come up with my own personal projects, whatever I wanted. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start thinking about themes. And I started thinking about like my cultural identity and like ways to like express and explore that. So I started getting back into like painting kind of dabbling back into that and then trying to figure out how I could like incorporate my pattern designs and my painting work and like do collage and stuff. So then through another thing, which is weird, like in school, I guess after I, I released or shared that series for one of my assignments on Tumblr, I started getting illustration gigs Oh whoa. and I was broke. So I took them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, you're offering money? Yes, I will do that job. Um, my first gig was for this French underwear company. And they saw that series and they were like, we want something that's like Afro disco. Can you do it? And I'm like, yeah. Okay. You're like, of course I can. Yeah. So I did How much some you illustration. Again? Right. That my first gig was like 3000 I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, this Damn. is the kind of money I need. You came yeah. out that gate swinging. Yeah, so it was like really great. And that's kind of, I feel like, how I got back into... It's interesting that the work found you. Yeah. You know, like it, it seems like it always kind of found you, like like your yeah. your abilities kind of just attracted it's things. Like just, I don't know, I'm all over the place, but I still like hold on to the things that I want to do. Like even, um, I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts so my senior year, we had to do like a senior series and my senior series was on African fashion. Like mm. that was like my way of trying to 
that was like my beginning exploration of my cultural identity. I was like, okay, I want to know more about like my Kenyan side. And my uncle had brought back some conga fabrics for me. And I was like, ooh, what am I going to do with this? And um, I just like cut up some fabric and like collaged them onto some paintings that I did. And that was kind of like my series, like mixing uh, acrylic paint with like collaged fabric. So that was kind of like my introduction to like all the things that are still kind of relevant in my work now. Yeah, your work is very Afrocentric. Like yeah. it's very African inspired. I don't want to be wrong yeah. here, but like it's very um, like celebration. Who the fuck is Deacon? <laughs> It, it, like that's like a very common thread, like a tone in your work. I've yeah. noticed. So you said that's like your Kenyan side. Yeah. Huh. Um, my dad's from Kenya. and My mom's from here. Did you grow up in like a very Kenyan household? Nope. Oh. Uh, so that's also like a sorry. Yeah, I know it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I like don't want to cough into the mic. Oh, it's okay. Um, I'll wa- I wash these things. Don't worry. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like. I grew up being raised by my mom. Mm-hmm. She's. My family's from my mother's. My mother's side from is fam, family is from the south, from North Carolina. So I really grew up about around a bunch of women from the south. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like growing up, I you know carried my father's last name, and my experience in like middle school and elementary school, high school, it's like I was labeled sometimes as the African kid. Just because your last because name. Because of my name. Yeah. You know, you know, kids, they're always like. like I, mean, I, I guess Okuba is a pretty African name. Yeah. Um, and look at the spectrum of things. Yeah. My full name is Jamela Ayango Okubo. Oh, that's super African sounding. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like in middle school, man, kids in middle school were so mean. Like they, they would just butcher my name up and just like make fun of me and say things like African booty scratcher or like stuff like that. (laughs) And it's like, bruh, I'm from here. Like my name is Kenyan, but I don't have like a tight cultural tie to Kenya. Uh, Like I met my dad like maybe twice when I was like 12, Mm -hmm. maybe younger than that. And it's funny because like my vivid memory of when we first hung out, was he showed up and my by the way I was living in Southeast at the time so like and I went to Alice Deal and we were ratchet I'm gonna just say that (laughs) but (laughs) we were um and my dad pulled up uh in front of our apartment and he had on this like Maasai wrap around his like waist and I guess he was, I don't know, trying to introduce me to the culture. Talk about a culture shock. It's like a first yeah. time meeting your dad. Yeah, and then he had is... on this like black, like see-through netted shirt. You know, like the Jamaicans be wearing. <laughs> <laughs> and we were supposed to go to the mall. I was like, we're not going to the mall like that. He, he got you in full garb. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, we have to go. So we literally drove all the way back to his house and I made him change. I felt bad. Yeah, but I don't I was, blame like, you At though. the same like, time, I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, it's my first time chilling, man. Like, come on, you gotta. I, I get it, but yeah. So, so, so how did you, how did so how exactly how did you find yourself having all of this African inspired tones in your work, though? It was just honestly, I used art and fashion as a tool to explore my identity. So I would mm. like reach out to my uncle from my dad's side. <laughs> Excuse me. No and ask him questions, him and my dad, about like specific cultural things that are like 
specific to Kenya and Kenyan people. And like I said, like my uncle had brought me conga fabrics for the first time. And those are like really popular fabrics from East Africa. I think I actually have a book on conga fabrics. Oh, really? People are going to actually be able to see this. But yeah. So these oh. are like popular in East Africa. And they kind of, they have like this large border and center motif design. Almost like a picture. Yeah, and then it usually has like a saying, and the sayings come from like Quran. Oh, those are cool. The Quran, um, music lyrics, proverbs, um, just sayings. It's, yeah, it's, so this book that she showed me right now, if you're listening, it's called Conga Stories. Yeah, and you're right. It's like all of the, um, you said they're called Congra. Conga. Conga uh, fabric. Fabric, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it looks like a painting, like how they frame it, and then, mm -hmm. then like the one object in the middle. It's super cool. So it's like I kind of use that um, structure as a motif to like explore my identity, to communicate, you know, messages. And then also I was exploring ways to integrate and bridge both of my like multicultural identities because I didn't want to leave you know, the African-American side of me out. So it's like I did this one series where I designed these congas in the same, like, format of congas, but the sayings were inspired by stories that my grandmother from my mother's side, what, like, stories that she would tell me about growing up in the South. Like, she grew up, you know, in the era where she was, like, picking cotton, Whoa. and, like, her parents were um, sharecroppers at the time. Like, obviously, like, a little while after slavery um, <clears throat> and how she would just go with them with her aunts and cousins for fun and really to like make some change because she didn't have anything else to do. So yeah. Wait, what's a sharecropper? Sharecroppers paid former slaves to pick cotton still. Oh, so it's like, you know, like, when so like slavery ended, it's like slaves had nowhere to go. It's like, okay, you're free now, but Good luck. Yeah, I can see that. It's like you, you just been so working in the field. They kind of wanted to, some of them kind of wanted to stay on the land with their former masters and still make work and make money because, like, how else are they going to make a living? You know, where yeah. else are they going to go? I can imagine that must have been pretty hard. <clears throat> it's like, all right, you're all free, but what are you going to do? It's like, well, it's not a bad gig here. I mean, I don't know. But. Right. I imagine, yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird to say that, but yeah, like, I imagine I for mean, some people, if there's nothing else, you would just be like, okay, well, you're going to pay me now, right? Right. <laughs> or else I'm going to leave. It still was like, you know, unfair conditions, but yeah. it's like my grandmother would tell me stories about how like her and all her cousins and aunts and my great grandmother and whoever else would be in this one little shed room and they'd all sleep on the floor Whoa. and it's like all in one room. It's like not you know, your own bedroom like we have today. Yeah. Or the privileged people, whatever. But it's like, it was just interesting to hear those stories, but also to hear it say it with like such grace and like kind of in like a, she was, even though it was a hard time, it was like she was still grateful for those experiences. Meanwhile, I'm just like, what? No, fuck that shit. Like, I know, it's so crazy. <laughs> like that's some real grit right there. Sleeping on a shed floor with your family, like, yeah. or even just family and some strangers, like, oh, 
whoa. Yeah. And like we complain about having like roommates right, or, right. or whatever it might be. Living in a shoebox. Like living in a shoebox. $1,500. I'm kidding. I don't know. That sounds like New York. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was throwing shade at. But. Yeah. Or, or DC, depending on where you are. Yeah. With slightly more room in the shoebox, but that's, yeah. not, that's about it. Houses and stuff. So that was like my way of like um, just exploring my cultural identity and expressing that through my work, like what I was, you know, coming upon, the ideas that were in my mind, I guess, and stuff like that. Like some of these congas are so, I have to find a good one. So shady. It's great. I saw an Obama conga. Things like, he who deprived you is he who provided for me. Like, what? Oh, <laughs> dang. Well, like, how, how about this one? How about this one I wrote down? <clears throat> Ain't gonna tell you no story. Ain't gonna tell you no lie. <laughs> Where does that, that one come was, from? That was my inspiration uh, for the title of my um, solo show. Mm-hmm. I was, I've been doing a lot of like work around Proverbs, children's books around African proverbs, African American proverbs. So it's like everything kind of like happened, has happened in a timely manner. Like a lot of my work has been exploring like proverbs and sayings and storytelling through design. Um, that's really why I was so drawn to fashion and textiles, particularly. Um, but I had been working on so many like African proverb related works that I was, like, interested in, like, okay, what are the stories that African-Americans have to tell? Like, do we have our own folklores, our own proverbs, our own sayings? And I had came across this annotated, like, book on African-American proverbs by Henry Louis Gates. hope I'm saying his name right. Okay. Um, he, like, does that show on PBS where uh, you, like, He, like, invites people onto the show, and they're kind of, like, uh, researching their ancestry. Oh, okay. I didn't even know PBS was still a channel. Oh, yeah. They're actually doing something where they're trying to highlight um, emerging artists and talents in the D.C. area. That's super cool. My mom just told me about it. Were you selected? She just told me about it. She was like, you should pitch your story. I'm like, okay, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What story would you pitch? Is is it, am I, am I missing that story? Like, is there like a deeper story that they'd be like, oh, we need her on the show? No, just pretty much what I'm telling you yeah. now. Um, like going back to like um, my solo show title, like mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of highlight the African-American folktales that I find, found. Um, and what I learned is that, like, a lot of those folktales were cultural preservation by slaves, and it was their way of passing down what they went through, but in story form, you know, to, like, their grandchildren and children. So it's, like, for that book to be collected, I mean, to, like, preserve that is really important. So I thought it was really important to just explore what those stories were and they were really similar to the things that my grandmother was telling me Whoa. so it was really interesting and so that's why I wanted to um title my show ain't gonna tell you no story ain't gonna tell you no lie because a lot of the um stories were pretty like some of them were dark you know but it's like also some of the proverbs or folktales were teaching you lessons 
on like I don't know morals and yeah. the way of life and how to be and how to treat people. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. I get it. You're under the weather. It's okay. I appreciate you even talking to me. But no worries. Yeah, like I just thought that was really interesting and powerful. So I had to title my show that. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed a lot of these sort of <clears throat> like short phrase proverbs that you pull out that I see a lot in your work or yeah. like in your captions or whatever it is. And they're always really good. And that was one and I, and I wrote it down. But, you know, of course I had to bring it up. But yeah, your exhibition, I mean, it was good. It was really good. Like I, I enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm sure you don't need I'm me glad. to tell me that. Tell no, you it's that, always but great like, to like hear people's like perceptions of the show and like the artworks and them asking me questions about what certain things meant and you know so it's always interesting to hear someone's interpretation yes interpretations that's what i meant to say and yeah. then and then it's not anything what you meant it to be yeah. but you're just like okay cool if he got that then hell yeah right. you know you're like oh we can roll with that right i was like okay. and i saw a lot of stuff sold yeah so congrats more on that thank you that's like really exciting because i was like I don't know if my work is going to sell. Like, this is my first solo exhibition. I didn't know what to expect. So mm -hmm. to see that, like, I had red dots <laughs> next to my pieces was like, oh, my I God. Know. I love seeing that when I go to people's amazing. opening shows because the receptions are always the best. I love. I always try to hit the receptions. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Jamila, you're selling <laughs> shit. That's what's yes. up. You know, I, I, think, I think that's important because an artist, it's like you can make things, but really until they sell do you start to feel validated yeah. which which doesn't which doesn't feel good to say but it's like a weird truth because it I can is. make all these artworks and if I find these whole for 500 bucks or whatever you're like yes it yeah. feels validating cuz it's like people really actually are showing you that they find value in your work mm. it's your, like your proof. ideas yeah exactly that come from your mind and it's like it's funny i've been having these conversations with different people uh with reggie and like Jason Reynolds about just like the importance of buying work and like this whole art market and how a lot of people are afraid to like make investments in art mm. and they don't see it as an investment. But it's like, if you think about it, there's so many people who collect art and eventually, you know, they may sit on the art for a while and then resell it. It's kind of like a trading thing. Yeah. But I don't know. I just think it's the whole fine arts world is really interesting. It, it's mystifying to me. Yeah. I don't know how it is to you, but like you're closer to it since you were in an official gallery. Yeah. But like it's always mystifying to me. Like who's buying all this stuff? Who's paying all this money for stuff? Right. I mean, when you were pricing those works for that gallery, were you even a little like, oh shit, like these are gallery prices? Yeah, I was. I was like, who's gonna buy this <laughs> because I can't even afford my own work but it's like I know someone is out there who can yeah. and who will appreciate my work and I just hope that my work um is in the right hands that's mm -hmm. really what I was thinking about if it did sell or if it didn't mm -hmm. but yeah it was just I just had to like accept it and be like all right these are the prices because it, it kind of you know like you were saying it's like when you're You've made it to a gallery exhibition. You've your work has been elevated to another level, I guess. I've been like doing my research on like being an independent artist versus being an artist who's represented or who's been in gallery shows. Oh, really? Um, What'd you learn? <laughs> that it elevates your work when you <laughs> yeah. have made it to those points, because then 
other, it's interesting because I guess collectors start to look at your work too. They're like, oh, she's had an exhibit. Maybe I'll take a look at her work or, you know. Yeah. Like, like, like kind of. not that it's a sale validates, but being <clears throat> on, in that, in those, in that white in wall realms, box. Yeah. yeah. It, that was something that Reggie really broke down to me. I was like, Reggie, I was like, you know, I love, I, I, the gallery stuff is cool, but I'm like, it, I always kind of hated them. Like I always thought the street galleries were cool. Like the right. pop-ups, the, the weekend things. More the accessible. Group yeah, they're more exciting. And he was and like, less yeah. pretentious. Yeah, and less pretentious. But then he kind of was like, nah, man. He's like, I understand where you're coming from. But he was like, you have to understand that this reaches a whole different market. Like this is yeah. a way of leveling up. And he really broke it down well and being like, you know, this is how you reach whole new markets. Like this isn't just your friends. These are real collectors real, like you were yeah. saying. And like. Just foundations, be- people who own foundations. Yeah. Like- who like put the work in there. And then like think about like Bill, I don't want to use him as an example, but this is who I can only think of like yeah. that. But Bill Cosby has an art collection or had, I don't know if he Whatever. still does now. Um, but he had a show or he lended his collection to the uh, National African Art Museum downtown, the Smithsonian. Wow. wow. And I went to go see it and it was just like amazing art by all these like black artists from That's different so cool. time periods. But it's like, it's kind of like when collectors have your work, it's they're creating more accessibility in a sense for your work to be seen on a larger scale. It's mm-hmm. like you never know where your work will travel when it's in the hands of a collector or foundation yeah i never thought about it like that like all these collectors usually do display their own collections here and there after they equate so much but i imagine just in those circles someone's like oh i bought this new jamila kubo piece what right now she's like she's got that stamp on her or something that imaginary stamp that's like we can now get into her past stuff and Mm. try and buy it up before she's doing something but i think something needs to be stated that like you didn't just arrive at a gallery like you've been doing cool crazy shit before that Thank you. you know and like so the cl- closest one before that would have been the apple yeah so i'll be doing a workshop on june 17th as a part of the story makers festival so i'm really excited about that well people listening need to know that this is the biggest apple store in the world yeah it's the fl- i guess it's the flagship store um yeah. they took over carnegie hall they still kind of like kept some things to preserve like the recognition of like preserving DC culture. They definitely like the did a history. good job too. Yeah, with that. the DC, I think it's called the DC History Center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like on the second floor. They have all these like photos from like high school classes at like Cardozo and like other high schools like Dunbar and Wow. It's I saw those photos. The yeah. old yeah, the old huge panoramic mm. photos. You actually know what blew my mind more than that? Was if you go to the basement, the old pictures they had oh, of yeah. DC and of <laughs> and of Carnegie Hall before it be, before it became what it was, and when it was Carnegie Library. Yeah, I want to share a fun fact with you. I learned reading those things. So Andrew Carnegie, um, he was in Steel. I'm pretty sure, if mm. I remember, do you remember that? But anyways, he was a big Steel tycoon, filthy rich, one of the richest man of all time. And so the story was is that when he was a boy, they charged money for you to go into a library. Like, like knowledge wasn't free. Like it that wasn't, is... there weren't like public libraries. And so it's ironic because it's called a Carnegie library. So, so he, it, it was said that like after that day, he really dedicated himself to wanting to build free libraries for people. And so That's over dope. his time, he built like 1600 <clears throat> different libraries all across America and That's all dope. across the world. And they were all free. And I was like, whoa, that is insane. Like, yeah, that's life changing. Right. Yeah. 
like, like all that knowledge and yet now we have free and then and then like <clears throat> to see what that man went through just to make knowledge accessible but now we have it literally in our pocket on a yeah, cell phone right like, it's, it's like it's oh so, what do I need to look up we almost take it for granted like yeah, this guy's do. life work was dedicated to giving it back to people and yeah. like now we're just like oh google I used to love the library in school like that was like my favorite place to go study and like do research like you have access to all these books and like I would just scan pages like have these thick packets like but something needs to be said for the fact <clears throat> that Apple chose you like that whole that company like one of the biggest yeah. companies ever like they chose you to be a part of their opening ceremony yeah. and you had a giant photo outside oh, yeah. like that's cool they had like these large mobile moving stories stretching uh, my like, legs artwork on yeah on view so people can literally like walk up to them and take pictures in front of them and stuff so that was like really cool yeah it's funny because before the apple store officially opened i was um walking by and it was the first time me seeing my piece and i was trying to take a picture of it and the security guard was like you can't take pictures of the work and i was like what that's my work and he was like oh he's like see that name it's on my id <laughs> yeah but it was weird i don't know <clears throat> but it's interesting because I don't know how they found me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of my former clients like have found me through social media. Like mm-hmm. I also have a um, live art installation up in New York City at Hudson Yards right now. Whoa! And they found me on social media, I think, or had been the like. Um, I'm not sure who on the team had been following my work for a while, but they had been watching me. They said. That's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Did they tell you how they were watching you? Actually, you know what? They found me through. So basically Hudson Yards is like a large luxury shopping center. That's kind of trying to be progressive and interactive because they have like art galleries in Ooh. the space and they're stuff. So, they're so open minded. Yeah. <laughs> so they collaborated with um, Culture Corp which is like a art consultant group. They kind of like facilitate collaborations and brand projects, really exciting, cool things. If you've ever seen Prada Marfa, mm-hmm. it's literally like no, a fake Prada store in the middle of the desert. <laughs> um, I'm not sure who the I never artist heard was, of. That's really cool. but it's really cool. Like they do really cool stuff, um, but they had been researching all the retailers that were going to be in Hudson Yards and they stumbled upon Dior, which is one of the stores in the space. And they saw my collaboration that I did with Dior in like 2017, you, 18. And you did a collaboration with Dior? Yeah. <laughs> that is legit as fuck. Like, how? Did, <clears throat> tell me about that. Um, They said they found me on the internet. That's who. <laughs> okay. Are you telling me that Tumblr did all of these magical yeah, things? Is this literally the side the effect of like the long, yeah. the long tail I of Tumblr? I sh- like... Or is you this can your prob- Instagram? Actually, my Tumblr is still up with like all my stuff. So you can like, if you're that creepy, just kidding. Um, if you go <laughs> further, like if you can like go down the timeline back to like 2011, 12, you'll see all my older posts. Like I literally shared so many progress photos of like different projects that I was working on. Like I was just, it was kind of like a blog for me to like keep an archive of my process but and that's like, see how valuable it is now i mean whether or not it was from tumblr or not yeah but you just putting yourself on the internet is yeah. like so important the fact that they all discovered you from the internet yeah. and it's like there's so many artists who don't who are so secretive who don't utilize this 
amazing tool yeah. of just, hey, I'm working on something. This is what I'm working on. Right. Yeah, yeah, yada. And you never know where that's going to go. it's like you kind of have to think to yourself, at the end of the day, if somebody copies you, fine. But they're not going to do it like you did it. So exactly. it's like you kind of have your own touch. Like, first of all, silhouettes is not something that I created. Like, there's so many artists before me who have done work with silhouettes. You have Carol yeah. Walker. You have, um, like, I mean, Carrie James Marshall doesn't work with silhouettes, but he uses, like, dark figures. But there's so many different artists who use silhouettes in their work. You have, you know, so it's like everyone's kind of, like, taking... Uh, inspiration from different artists and kind of putting it on their own spin, putting their own spin on mm -hmm. it. Sorry, um, but yeah, the internet is a powerful thing right now. Oh, especially for you <laughs> and your yeah. career, like honestly, holy. I was just like when they email when Dior emailed me, I was shocked and I didn't believe them. How long ago was this? About about how long? Uh, they reached out to me. I think summer of. 2017 wow okay like two years ago. and at the time where was I working that was like a year after I graduated from Parsons mm -hmm. and like I moved back to DC and I was working I want to say at Tolly Moly yeah in Union Market I was making Faluda drinks nice <laughs> so when you got that email you're like fuck these drinks <laughs> no I was like are. I was like nah I don't know if this is real like I'm, I was a spam or not. Like, yeah, I was just like, I'm just gonna chill. Yeah. Like, I'm not about to get big headed and just be like, I'm out. Like, you know, like, you gotta take your time mm -hmm. before you just think you're all hot shit. Like, for real. Cause you never know. Anything could happen. You don't know when the money's coming in. People don't so pay true. on time. So, that's so true. Especially something <clears> like, <throat> I mean, Stuff like Dior's, like you get the emails that's still not guaranteed, you know? It's exactly. Like, that, yeah, that process was like, it's not guaranteed until things are approved by the design team. That's basically how it went, you know? And it was exciting, though, like, to, like, meet with the creative team. And they basically approached me and they were like, hey, like, we're doing the second round of our Lady Art, Dior Lady Art collaboration and we want you to be one of the artists. And they were saying that, like, how they wanted to diversify their group. Because the first round of artists were, like, all older white male contemporary artists mm -hmm. who were already established. <clears throat> so this, the year they chose me, it was, like, a mix of different artists from all over. It was really cool. It's interesting. So you're, you were, like, their diversity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have a black woman. We're good. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> we're good. We, we just bring her on. <laughs> See, guys, look, we're not racist company. We're good. I was one of the youngest artists. There's a another young woman, Betty. Not get her last name wrong. Mariani, uh -oh. I believe. She's really cool. She's from France. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, Betty Mariani. She was also like around the same age as me, and it was like cool to like. I didn't get to meet her, but it was cool to like be with like on that list of artists. Of course, we recognize like, like that from an international yeah. brand like that. Yeah. Um, it was just like... Was that one of the first big moments for you? Was yeah. that collaboration? Yeah, it definitely was. Because mm -hmm. I imagine you just graduated school, you're working at Tolly Moly, and then yeah, you get this email Tolly out Moly. of nowhere, you're just like, whoa. I was working in retail um, and at and other stories. <laughs> That's still my family, though. But yeah, I... Are it, you So are you like full-time artist now? 
Something like that. I'm okay. still an artist assistant for another artist. But you're hustling and yeah. art is still your main thing. Always hustling yeah. and doing like freelance gigs. Like I've done a, a few children's books here and there and I'm working on another one right now, mm. um, which is exciting. <clears throat> so it's just like... Children's books, huh? Yeah. Are you writing out the narrative or just drawing? Just illustrating just it illustrating? for clients, yeah. They bring the narratives and I bring the illustrations. It's interesting because my first illustration gig out of college was a children's book. Um, It was with Shout Mouse Press, which is an independent publishing company in Mm -hmm. D.C. And they work with high school students. Um, So the high school students are the authors. So they wrote the books. Like they teamed up together. Like they teamed the high school students up to like write these books for elementary school students that they were tutoring. So I got to meet with like the high school students and like they like read me their manuscript and like what they envisioned and we were meeting often and like I would like bring my sketches and like it was like my first time illustrating a children's book ever. And I'm really grateful for that opportunity because it kind of like opened my eyes to something, a new possibility for me to like create. Well, it's interesting because you said you went to school for fashion design, but I know, and most people don't know that in fashion design, it's mostly drawing. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you're literally drawing. drawing. You're actually, yeah. It's, I used to have friends when I lived in Richmond below me who were going to the VCU fashion school and they were just like, I have 50 drawings yes. and all this oh my stuff. God. I was like, what? See, I was lucky because I got to choose my electives. So mm. I didn't take any fashion illustration courses. Like the kids or the students who were in the like actual BFA fashion program, they were dying, <laughs> dying. Like they had to do like a hundred something croquis like every other day for <laughs> class. And then also sew like three garments and a oh. corset and whatever else they had to go through. Uh, I just took the electives that I liked. Yeah, careful. So your I money, took, your money's like, falling out of your pocket <laughs> there. Careful, you got some dollar bills on you. <laughs> I like took a lot of like construction sewing classes couture design, things that I thought were fun and would like add to my work. So so, so did the children's book gig find you again? <clears throat> um, yeah. Like got- that was more of like a, a former professor or teacher from my high school connected me with the people because he was like, oh, like he thought of me to like maybe be another illustrator from D.C. to mm-hmm. like work with these students. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. I've never done it before, but why not? Why and not? Then, Two, three more children's books came right after that. So that's gotta be an interesting niche. And all of a sudden, you become like the children's <coughs> book artist. And it's yeah. Like, uh, how much is pay? Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like, okay, it beats making drinks. Right. Yeah. That's always yeah. like my logic. Like, okay, it's a little under budget, but what would I <coughs> would I rather be working at a at a cafe? Mm. Right. Honestly, I mean, I was working on the children's books while I was still working at Tole Moly. So I would spend time in my bedroom at the time, like illustrating all night long and like hours before I had to go to work. And then I'd be like half asleep at work and drink hella coffee and just be, yeah, do what you gotta do. Being in Can I ask how old you are? Huh? Can I ask how old you are? I'm 26. 26? Yeah. Wow, it's a good age. It's good. Yeah. I, I'm 27 where I think we're at a really prime age yeah. to just... Doing the things. To do, yeah, to do anything. We got no do kids. It. We got no we right. got no relationships. I don't know if we do or not. And it's just like, world's my oyster, I yep, guess. Yeah, the world is our oyster. And it's funny because I had never really 
paid attention to people always, older people always telling me like, your 20s are your prime, live your best life in your 20s, do all the things you want to do, blah, blah, blah. But they were right. You think so? You think you feel it in your 20s? Yeah. I mean, this is the time where you, like you said, you have no obligations. You're, Mm -hmm. you literally are your only obligation to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is really hard. Yeah. (laughs) Adulting is hard. Adulting is hard as shit. It's fucking hard. Taxes suck. Taxes. Uh, Doing all that. uh, No, it's the worst. I don't. How do you, how do you feel about your career being like 26 and all that? You've done some really cool things that people I've seen in mature careers haven't even done. Like, how are you feeling about everything right now? I feel... Yeah, no worries. <laughs> Grateful. I'm I'm honored. Like it's I'm not taking any of these opportunities for granted because mm-hmm. I know, like you said, a lot of people, no matter what their age is, would as people tell me, they would kill for certain opportunities that I've had. And so I think it's only right for me to do the best that I can, you know, because it would suck if I didn't have these opportunities. Yeah. You know. So it's like, I got to just figure out how to keep them coming. Like in college, I said yes to so many different projects, no matter what the budget. I was like, yes, exposure. Yes, more projects. Your budget's eh, that's fine. I'm a broke, starving artist, college student. So it's like helping me pay the bills, put groceries in my fridge and pay for all my art supplies for school. So Yeah, like they said, that's important to not be prideful and to realize like, even though I've done done stuff, I always have to be open to saying yes more and to doing yeah. things that, you know, not being fancy and, and just yeah. working on stuff. I did a lot of like projects that were probably under budget or like what I should have charged for. No, not what I shouldn't have charged for, but I could have charged more yeah. for certain projects. But I also was like trying to build my clientele and like, you know, a portfolio of work to say like, I've done this, this and that. Exactly. So <clears throat> it's been like an interesting journey of trying to figure that out. Like, it's just starting too, which is crazy, huh? Yeah. Like pricing work is hard. Pricing is so hard. So hard. <laughs> I mean, the, the rule of thumb I've always heard is go for that uncomfortable price. Yeah. You always want to leave room for negotiation. That's one tip I'll say. Ah, always leave room for negotiation. Yeah, I learned that a lot from like other creatives, artists, because more than likely the client who's coming to you for your work or for your artwork has the budget because otherwise they wouldn't be coming to you, right? Or a budget in mind. Or a budget in mind too. So you kind of just like shoot for the (coughs) stars and see what happens because especially like larger clients, man, it's like I had to learn the hard way. Like I sold myself short plenty of times. Oh yeah. Imagine that Dior club. You're like, let's just double whatever I throw on there. Right. Like Like, I definitely asked them for more more money. I was like, can I get some more? I'm about to make y'all bags pop it. And then like to go to the cocktail event, like going back to like the whole collector's thing, I found out, I figured out that it's like, okay, these these collaborations are for art collectors because it's essentially art on a bag and now it becomes art. Mm-hmm. And it's like at these really high price points. Um, 
And so I went to the cocktail event, you know, to celebrate the collaboration and met other the other artists and stuff. And it's like, I met people who collect Dior bags. And it's like, it was a thing for them to attend these events because they were ready to collect their They were ready to buy your artwork. Bags. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and it's funny because I'm like really into like, um, like online shopping and there are certain like uh, shop sites or websites that are like luxury reselling sites. And I wanted to see if anyone had like resold oh, yeah, my bag yet. Thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't seen my bag. I have seen other artists' bags and people are like doubling the price than what it was before, which I think is interesting because it's like a collector's item. You know, yeah, when like brands come out with like limited like- edition things like Supreme and then people were like resell it for like 10 times mm-hmm. more. It's like, damn. Dang. I wish you would have seen it on the reselling list. That's pretty cool. <clears throat> I know. That would be cool. It's like, oh, someone's selling this bag for 10,000. Wow. Right. Wow. I've been thinking, I like got copies of my bags. I've been thinking about reselling maybe one of them. Hell yeah. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to sit for like 20 years. You wait, wait until like the next thing you do is like super popping. And then it's like, oh, <clears throat> look, my bag is on the reselling. Look at that. It's in my story. Like, I wonder <laughs> right. who put that up there. Yeah. <laughs> I need to do that. My price tag's not about to go up. So, uh, <laughs> Seriously, like it's well. So, what's your views on the landscape of DC as an artist? Like, you came from New York City, right? Like, essentially, like the capital of art. Like, how do you <laughs> feel being back in DC now and, and being an artist who's actually doing things? Like, what's your whole perspective on everything here? It's exciting, it's really exciting to be a part of the mem- I guess, the momentum of like young and emerging artists who are like finally getting the the exposure or experiences that I feel like they deserve. Um, I've always wanted to like, you know, like growing up in high school, I, I went to a lot of different like arts organizations, like after school programs. And I got to work with a lot of older artists. So it's like, I wanted to be like them when I grew up and became an artist and I wanted to like be popping in DC. So it's like to come back home from New York, you know, um, and to like be able to be a part of this like movement is really exciting. There is I'm a movement here. happening, huh? <clears throat> like, yeah. There's like a, like a chill in the air, <clears throat> like yeah. a, a wave beneath the surface of something cooking where a lot of artists are maybe starting to get platforms out yeah. of here and starting to make major moves. Or making their own yeah. spaces and platforms be- out of necessity, you know? Are there any names that come to mind or other people that you see? Um... Yeah, my artist friend, mentor, Michelle Love. Mm-hmm. She's a muralist and like it's cool to like you know, like in high school I used to work on like helping her with some murals and to like be right next to her and like doing really cool things is like kind of like it's just mind blowing. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. See homie doing it. Yeah. Like I feel like I went off topic, but yeah. I don't no, know. no, I, I totally asked you. I was just curious, like who you were seeing around you in the area, yeah. because um, I'm always, I'm always just interested to what, you know, artists are looking at and from their perspective. I mean, hmm. I'm sure there's a lot and I'm not gonna put you on the spot anymore, but like, yeah, this, just that general feeling of something's cooking. Like I even heard on someone else's podcast, they're like, yo, there's a lot of crazy rap coming out of Baltimore yeah. and DC right now. And I'm yeah. like, Abdul oh, Ali, yeah, dope. Yeah. Like, Where's yes. he? Is he from DC? Baltimore. Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, DC, you have Gold Lake, you have Kilo. Mm-hmm. Like, 
And she's been around for a minute. So it's like, she got to get that push. Like, I mean, people have been listening to her music, but <clears throat> I've seen her grow as an artist. Like, I've been a fan since I was like in high school. Damn. Like, baby dinosaur days. Damn. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but yeah. Someone somewhere listening to this was like, yeah. Right. And like, just there are so many dope artists, mm-hmm. DJs. Just making things happen. Yeah, it seems like music is always like a big conduit for putting everyone else on. Yeah. Because then they can bring their stylist, they can put their photographer on, they can have that pop up with the art on the walls and stuff. It seems like music's always like the leader. Yep, always. Like the charge. I guess that's like the main platform that's like universal. You know, music is universal and it, I guess, Makes the most money, apparently. I don't know. I mean, it definitely does. <clears throat> They're getting paid 20K a show and yeah, crazy so numbers. Like, Of course, music is kind of like the Last time the I checked, push. people don't go out to art shows like they go out to rap shows. Hell, you're right. <laughs> they sure don't. Right? Like, it's a whole different dynamic. Like, go to an art show, you might get a little big to catch a little buzz. Right. You go to a rap show, you're moshing. You paid $50 to get in. To like, meet the artist, yeah, maybe. Crowds of get... hundreds. Like, we got crowds of, like, a hundred. Right, right. <laughs> like, it's like people come and go. And it's such, like, a, oh, different, it's such a different world. Yeah, so it's like there are, there's a lot going on and coming out of D.C., which is really great. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited <clears throat> to see like what's going to happen and how it's going to develop and who's going to be the voices for what and everything. Yeah, that's why I'm really excited about the Apple Storymakers Festival because they really, you know, tried to highlight or trying to highlight like local DC creatives who are <coughs> doing exciting things. Sorry. Like um my friend uh OG Lullabies, like I put her I put Apple onto her because I was like, yo, like you guys haven't heard OG Lullabies? Like she's dope. She's an amazing musician. She plays all these different uh instruments. She has her own sound. She produces her own music. Wow. Like, she just did something with, like, Red Bull Academy in Berlin. Yeah. But, like, people are still, like, not familiar with her. But I hope that this, like, gives her a platform to, like, for people to recognize her sound and, like, the fact that she's from D.C. I'm going to look that up. OG Lullabies. OG Lullabies. Damn. Yeah. It's super sad. That's a cool I'm not even going to compare her to anyone because she has her own sound. So. Very respect, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, Apple's hip. I'm <clears> glad <throat> to hear that, that they're at least doing a decent job of Getting yeah. people from the community, the community yeah. outreach, I guess. Definitely. Like, they're doing some really cool stuff with No Kings Collective. I love those guys. I'm trying to get yeah, Peter. Peter, Peter Fra- I'm trying to get Peter Chang on the show so bad. He's, he's, a, he's a hard one to get. Yeah. It's funny because I, I grew up knowing Peter since I was, like, probably 14, 15. Wow. Uh, his brother, Jeff. Or toys. He used to be my b-boy instructor. <laughs> so, yeah, I used to break dance in high school. No way. Yeah. I wasn't good at it, though. No, but I did good. it for, you know, for fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. I'd try breaking. I think I'd break my wrist these days, but, like, whatever. Luckily, I didn't have any in- injuries because I wasn't trying to do anything too crazy. So. Well, hey, I hate to have to cut this one a little short. Oh, good. Because I have a photo shoot I have to attend. That got rescheduled because it's supposed to be on Sunday. Oh, no. And we pushed it back because of the weather. But um, I, w- I love to ask my guests this question before we wrap up. And that's, okay. do you have anything to say to artists that look at you and see you as a success or people who are trying to come up in their field and try and get some of these great collaborations? Like you've got great, you know, Dior, Apple, like all these things. Like 
do you have anything to say to someone who's looking at you and kind of inspired or anyone who's just trying to make it in their own art world or whatever it is? Um, most importantly, keep making work. Always just keep making work. You never know when an opportunity will pop up. Mm -hmm. And it's like you don't want to not be ready for that opportunity and be like, damn, let me scramble and make some work because, like, this is the opportunity that I needed. So, yeah, I learned that the hard way. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> also, honestly, put yourself out there. Like, you can't be afraid of, like, people trying to steal your ideas or whatever it is that you're thinking about or stressing about because how else is anyone going to see your work? And right now, social media is like the hot topic platform. So you might as well use it to your advantage and like share your work, use those hashtags, shit, tag people and brands in your posts to try to get their attention because you never know who's working on the social media side. Like you have to remember that at the end of the day, behind all these brands and companies there are people who are like you know make the machines run and these are people who like have their own lives have their own things that they like so you never know when someone might be in a boardroom meeting and they pitch your name to like oh. for the next collaboration or project like oh yeah I know this artist that I like Follow on Instagram. Yeah. She's really cool, you know. She tagged us a bunch of times. <clears throat> exactly. So it's funny because I'm not really sure how I got the line hotel opportunity, but I was tagging a creative DC a lot on my work because I thought I saw it was like a popping hashtag. I still tag And they it. have a cool like page, which is ran by Morgan. She's awesome. And she's also, she does like the creative stuff at the line hotel. Mm -hmm. So it's like kind of crazy how that came about. Like she had been seeing my work because I was like hashtagging. Wow. And then I got to do the banner for like during the Cherry Blossoms Festival. Kind of like one of the first kickoff artists to like have my work in front of the Line Hotel for <sighs> everyone to see. So it was like really cool. All because you were just using social media for what it was. Like instead yeah. of being on the side of like oh, I hate social, it's detriment to our lives. Why not be in the side that's like, yeah. I'm going to use this thing to serve me in the best way possible. Like, right. it's, instead of being a victim of social media, why, yeah. not, why not be someone who uses it. it? Yeah, yeah, flip it. Like, why don't you make it your bitch and like you make it your, exactly. like make it work for you, you know? And then also like go out to events, like mm. meet people, network, yeah. network. Your network is your net worth. Ooh. So remember that too. Because like you never know who you'll meet. This is just a personal opinion. Stay humble. Because, again, you'll never know who you'll meet. Like, you might meet someone at an art show and you think, like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? Or who the fuck is this girl? Just because you're, like, basing it off of looks or whatever. But then you find out that this person owns this gallery that you would love to show your work in. And you're acting all phony and flaunty. Yeah. And that's a missed opportunity because they read you, like, oh, she just treated me like shit and thinks she's a shit. So I don't know if I want to... Fuck with her. No, I mean, him. you're 100% right. Going to events and showing face is so important. Important. Because you got to put your name out there. Hey, I'm an I do, I'm a painter. I'm a photographer. Hi, I do this. Like, exactly. Who, what do you I do? Like, found that out. I mean, kind of the hard way because I kind of had to reverse. Like, I was known on social media, but people in person didn't really know me unless they recognized me from social media. Uh, so it's like I kind of really had to, like, get out there, too, and, like, introduce myself in person and be like, hi, I'm Jamila. I'm an artist. Like, mm -hmm. And then they go check out my Instagram or website or whatever and be like, oh, you know, so 
That's super sweet. I don't sweet. always like to tell people that I'm an artist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, so what do you do? Uh, I'm an artist. That's You're like right. the most DC question ever. I, right. I, I'd, I'd make art. Make art. <laughs> For all so, artists here. So. Those are some serious gems right there, by the way. Those, I, I believe in every one of those things you just mentioned. Sweet. 100%. I'm glad. That's cool. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And if someone wants to follow you on social, um, the at on the Instagram, what is it? It is Jamila Okubo. J-A-M-I-L-L-A-O-K-U-B-O. Boom. Sounds like it's spelled. Yeah. If you're somewhat literate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Sweet. And um, so guys, um, uh, <clears throat> check her out. I'll link some of her stuff in the YouTube uh, description if you're curious. Maybe peep out some of the Dior collaborations and whatnot. But um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Of course. Yeah, yeah. it was. And uh, it, was, it was all Reggie. Thank you, Reggie. Yeah, thanks, Reggie. You're the best. So, guys, that's it. That's the angle. Peace.